Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 11, titled, The Country of the Blind. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 11, making our way through the book of Luke. We've been two years and only to chapter 11. That just, I didn't write it, so it just takes a long time. Luke 11, we're going to be down in verse 33 here in just a bit. Familiar with the name H.G. Wells? Can you tell me what, why you're familiar with the name H.G. Wells? <laughs> War of the Worlds? Invisible Man? He was the original guy. Uh, time Machine? That's where we get all this stuff from, modern day. He was a forward thinker in the, in the sense of the unusual, let's just say. Famous for those things, famous for lots of stuff and some things that he wrote that you may not know about. He wrote a short story called The Country of the Blind. And uh, interesting story, just, just as he does in all of his other stuff, sort of brings out the weird and the unusual. And so he writes about this fictitious place, The Country of the Blind, this isolated um, uh, country in this far remote valley where uh, people so isolated from the world, they got this disease. And all the adults went blind, but it was such an effective disease that they also, all their children were born blind. And so, horrific thing, um, but uh, after many generations, in fact, according to his book, after 15 generations, no one knew what sight was. Didn't know what colors were, didn't understand that uh, the grass and the flowers they could smell also were of the varieties of colors, what the sky looked like, what the clouds looked like, what the mountains looked like, what the rivers looked like. They only understood taste and smell and hearing, but no sight. And again, according to this book, this wanderer, this traveler uh, found their country and visited them and went there and realized before he was not there very long, these people can't see. The first part that popped into his evil heart, according to what H.G. Will says, was uh, um, he remembered the phrase, in the country of the blind, a one-eyed man is king. So he thought, you know, I'll be able to take these people over. But he, he thought, you know, that's wrong. Uh, I, I, should, I, should, I should tell them what the, what, what the world that they're really missing is really like. And so he began to try to convince them of the sighted world, the colors and all the other things. Well, they thought he was crazy. It had been 15 generations since anyone had seen light. So how are you going to convince people that neither their father nor their grandfather nor their great-grandfather nor anyone else nor none of their kids can see? What, what do you do with people like that? And so the more he talked to them, the more they became convinced that he was out of his mind because the, the majority's always right, don't you know? <laughs> they thought he was crazy. And uh, he would have left except for the fact that he had fallen, he'd been there long enough, fallen in love with a young lady there in, that, in the, one of the main towns and asked for her hand in marriage. Of course, his intention was to bring her out of there. And uh, her father refused because, I mean, you don't let your daughter marry a crazy man, right? And so he, he loved him, though. I mean, this guy had been nothing but nice to them. He was nothing but kind. He was nothing but helpful. He was a hard worker. He'd had a job. He'd done all the things. Everything you would want in a son-in-law, except for the fact that he had this crazy talk about seeing things. And so uh, he desperately wanted to marry his daughter to this young man, except for the fact that he had to get, get past this, what he saw. And so he called a meeting of the council of his city, and uh, they called in their leading doctor, and they said, what can we do? I mean, I, 
I want my daughter to marry this guy. He's a great guy. He'll be a great son-in-law, except for that he's got these crazy notions. And the doctor said the solution is, is that we need to remove, and I wrote down the word, the irritant bodies from his physical body. He's talking about his eyeballs. If we remove the irritant bodies, he said they won't, he won't be insane anymore. And he'll be able to get along in society with everyone else. Well, uh, what a strange story. By the way, the end of the story, I'm going to give you the whole thing. He didn't marry her, and he left because he could see that they were convinced that they were never, they were never going to be convinced of, of the world they couldn't see. It's interesting. That's where we live today. We live in a country, in a world that is uh, blind, uh, proud of its science, sure of its health, but oblivious to the light. That's where we are. And Jesus was in the same country uh, in, the, in the days here in chapter 11. He'd been preaching and teaching. Uh, he had effectively banished. I mean, talk about the miracles that he produced. It's not just these 10 or 12 miracles you see written and repeated in the New Testament. He literally healed thousands of people. He banished disease from the land of Israel. He banished uh, demons from the souls of men. He walks on the water. He feeds thousands of people. He raises people from the dead. How much more light could you possibly bring to the subject, right? And then here in chapter 11, they says, we want you to give us a sign that show us that you're from God. <laughs> so I got a 10,000 light bulbs on. You want me to turn one more on? The problem isn't light. The problem is sight. That was the problem, and that's the world we live in today, the same world that Jesus had. Notice how he, he rebukes them in a kind way, but he basically, they say, turn on the light for us. Verse 11, look it down at, ver I'm sorry, chapter 11, look it down at verse 33. This is the context where he says this. No one after lighting a lamp, this, that was their light switch, you lit a, they didn't have a match either, you lit a lamp. And you stuck it on top of a post. He said, no one lights a lamp and puts it away in a cellar or under a peck measure, but on a lampstand, in order that those who enter may see the light. He says, the light's on. You're asking me to turn on the light. He says, the light can't be more on than what it is. I've turned on the light. I'm not doing anything in secret. I've operated out in the open. So here's the question again. So all these miracles, the proliferation of miracles and all the things that Jesus did, and they still can't see. Why can't they put this together? How many of you would have been fine with just one miracle? Walk on the water, I'm in. Raise somebody from the dead, I'm in, 100%. You feed 5,000 from five loaves and two fish, I'm in. These guys have seen all of it. They still say, we need to see something else. It'll never be enough. For blind people, that's the way it is. It's not a question of light. It's a question of sight. Darkness is... Uh, the blindness, if you will, uh, it was so prolific there. And it was a cho choice to be blind, unlike the country of the blind where they got some kind of disease. We're talking about a place where people chose to keep their eyes shut. See, whether you're blind or your eyes are shut, the effect is the same if the lights are on. You still can't see. No, but it, think about it. Darkness and blindness, if it was dark in here, totally dark, and 10 of us were blind, would the experience be any different? You're blind because you're, you can't see because it's dark, and I can't see because I'm blind. The result's the same, right? But it ends, or it can end, differently. Because it's easier to fix darkness than it is to fix blindness. So, so darkness is, is remedied, but by no amount of light will you help a person who's got their eyes shut. You won't. Here's, here's how things go dark for us. 
There it is. No. There it is. There, there it isn't. Hang on. You're blinded. You can't see because you're not actually... Johnny, come on. If it doesn't work, try, try again. That. There we go. Here's how things go dark. Notice how simple. That guy's in the dark. How do you get in the dark? Notice how simple this is. Although they knew God, that's the way you're born. People, people are born that way. Oh, well, they don't know God in a certain country. I beg to differ with you, ma'am, because my Bible tells me that they do know. We're born with a, with a certain sense of who God is. I mean, how, you see a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there by itself. Here we are. We're in a world. Hanging out in the middle of nowhere. Science says we happen by chance. There's no chance of this. So, so you tell me we came here by chance, but I told you I believe this watch was created by chance. You'd laugh me out of the room. Because it takes technology and understanding and intelligence and capability to create a watch. But the arm that it is on is infinitely more complex. But you want to tell me that happened by chance. And I'm going to tell you that you're blind. Because the Bible says we're born with the understanding. You have, to, you have to talk yourself out of the light that you have. Here's how you do that. Here's how it starts. Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. Notice they just, God just gets, they're not an atheist. Not God-haters. They just write God out. God is just not a part of my day. Not a part of my thought process. He's not a part of what I do. So I'm therefore not thankful to him. I'm thankful to my skills. I'm thankful to my boss. I'm thankful to, I don't know, whatever situation I'm in. But God just kind of gets forgotten. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm done with God. I don't want him in my life anymore. That's not, that's not that people do that. But that's not how it starts going dark. Notice, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. That's how it starts. But their thinking became futile. That's what happens. It's either one or the other. Either you go with the light that you have and you come closer to the light or you go the other way into the dark. And their foolish hearts became darkened. See, all you got to do is leave God out. It'll get darker for you. But it doesn't just stay there. Not that you reach a level and you never go back. No, it just, it's, you're either going down or you're coming up. Where are you today? Where are you today? Doesn't stay, there's no status. Doesn't stay even. Either you're coming to the light that God has given you and you're stepping further into the light, or you're coming to the light that God's given you and you say, I don't want that. Guess where you're going? You can't stay where you are. You can't stay where you are. Never levels out. Never does. Darkness is a terrible thing. You don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're tripping over. Like I said, there's some older people in here who have broken a little toe off on some stuff that, man, in the dark, kill yourself in the dark, hate the dark, hurt myself in the dark. Also, what happens in the dark is we don't know what's coming for us. We don't know what's that danger that's lying out there. And we are very susceptible to manipulation. Because why? Because if it's totally dark, I can tell you anything I want to about myself. I'm 10 feet tall. If it's totally dark... I'm 6'2", and I'm on three-foot riser here, so I'm, yeah. He sounds like his voice is up high. How would you know without the light, right? I'm 10 feet tall. I'm 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I have all my hair. <laughs> the only part that's true, I'm a bodybuilder. See right there? It's a body. 55 years of building it. 
That's the thing about the dark is we can be whoever we want to be. It's one of the beauties and the negatives of social media. It's dark. You can be anywhere I want to. I can be you. You can be me. Great, great picture of the darkness because we can all be liars, and we all are, truly. Some more than others. Darkness begets more darkness because we can't verify anything and we have no way. But darkness is easily remedied. You just turn on the light, right? But if you don't come to the light that God has given to you, it just gets darker. Next two verses. Although they claim to be wise, it's just a claim, not reality. They became fools. How do you know they're fools? Because they turned their back on the only true light that they had. They don't acknowledge God any longer. And they become futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart becomes darker. And although they claim to be wise, they became fools in exchange of the glory of the immortal God. This is obvious. This is foolishness. For images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals, they started worshiping the creation rather than the creator. It gets worse, like I said, it just spirals down. Darkness never is enough. It's never, you never reach a level. It just, there's another level down. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. That's where we are today. Culture is just going down into darkness. Started with no longer acknowledging God. We're not a God-hated culture. We just, I don't need God culture anymore. So what's next? Down. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Because why? Because you can lie in the dark. And you can be lied to in the dark. And you got no way to find out the answers. Unless you come to light. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. It always is downhill. Darkness is easily remedied, though. All you have to do is turn on the light. But what if you keep your eyes shut? What good is the light for you? What's the benefit of the light? None. See, I can turn on the light for you, but I can't open your eyes for you. That is a decision you're going to have to make. Well, Jesus comes and turns on the lights. That's what he does. That's his ministry. In fact, he not only turned them on, he was the light. Jesus was the life, and the life was what? The light of men, not just a few men, not just one country, not just a certain group, but all of them, of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not, no comprehend it. No lo comprehend, not at all. Did not comprehend it. That was the true light. Which gives light to every man coming into the world. And no exceptions. They got light. You got to want to come to it. You can keep your eyes shut. That's your prerogative. But God's prerogative is everybody gets light. Everybody gets it. So then it becomes, as we're going to see in just a minute, it becomes a verdict for us whether which way we go. So Jesus comes and turns on the light, and not only did he turn it on, he was the light himself. Notice what it says over here in Corinthians, first, second Corinthians chapter 4. For it is God who commanded light to shine in the darkness, is created out of, you know, the, the world created out of total darkness. Let, let there be light, he said. It is the same God who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's, he's not just, he doesn't just have light, he is the light. He is. So, 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 yeah, you, you, you have a certain amount of light that God gave to you that you were born to, but if you're really going to come to light, you're going to have to come to him. You're going to have to come to Jesus, else you're turning around. You're going to have to repent of something. Either you repent of the darkness, 
Are you going to repent of the light? You will not stay where you are. You cannot. He didn't just bring light. He was light. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's, you, come to, you want to come to light? You've got to come to Jesus. Not other options. There's no light anywhere else. Light doesn't come from anything else. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're called the light of the world, but we're only because we don't, we're following Jesus. How do, I know I'm, how do I know we're the light of the world? Because we're with the light of the world. We're following him. We represent him. That's our job. He didn't just bring light. He was light. And Jesus, guys and gals, he lit it up over there in that place. How do we know? Because watch these dark people coming into the light. Remember our study earlier when we studied the apostles, we studied Levi, also called Matthew. And a lot of people don't know, unless you study them, you don't realize, to be a tax collector, you were a total thug. I mean, they truly were leg breakers. They were mafia. They had hit men. They controlled people. You, you tell me someone who would sell their whole country and serve the enemy, the Romans. I mean, these guys would sell their own mother. Don't think Matthew was a good guy at all all he was a thug he ran with bad people 100 percent of the time he was evil and committed tremendous atrocities you're going to sell your own people to the enemy i'm telling you there is nothing that you won't do tremendous traitors why they hated them the zacchaeuses and the levi's and the matthews of the world but watch what happens so so how do what's the remedy to the darkness turn on the light but not everybody wants to open their eyes but interesting how this guy did. After these things, he went out, Jesus did, and saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And so he said, tomorrow I will. No, he left everything. Amazing. That's amazing. You can't get hardly any darker than this guy. But man, when the switch came on, he switched. I guess you've got to repent of one or the other. You've got to repent of the dark in order to come to light. You've got to repent of the, the light to come to the dark. You repent of one or the other. You can't stay where you are, though. That's for a fact. You can't do it. Jesus turned on. He lit it up over there because people came out of the darkness. This guy did. This girl did. Remember her? I don't have her name. But she was a woman ill repute, a woman of the darkness, a woman who destroyed families. I mean, who knows what all she did. A woman in the city was a sinner. Jesus is overeating with one of these Pharisees. And when she knew that Jesus had sat at a table in the Pharisee's house, she's not invited now, but she works her way in there. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. That's what repentance can often look like right there. She's coming out of the dark, ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus threw on the light. And those that wanted the light, they came to it, didn't they? That's your option. But you're going to have to repent of something. Repent of the light to come to the darkness? Yep. Well, I, you know, I'm going to keep some of the light and go to the darkness. No, that ain't how it works. You have to leave whatever light God has given to you and say no to it to continue to do the things that you want to do. It's just a fact. Or you're going to have to say no to the things that you want to do your own proclivities, your own sinful nature, in order to come to Christ. That's what this woman did. She left it. She left that room, according to Jesus, forgiven. 
of our sins, the greatest need that we have. Jesus lit it up over there. Once the lights are on, it becomes obvious among us who's blind, who's got their eyes shut. The Pharisee who wanted nothing to do with the truth of Jesus, and then you got this lady. Both of them in the darkness, different classes of darkness, but still it's all dark. One of them, both, both of them lying to themselves and lying to each other. But one, when the light comes on, he, she came out. No amount of light will help a person whose eyes are closed. No amount of light will help, help, help a blind person. John the Baptist, it says, the cousin of Jesus had to go and proclaim that he wasn't the light, it says. But he proclaimed that Jesus was the light. So I'm having to go around telling people that the light is on, what have I got? I've got a bunch of people with their eyes shut or they're blind or something. But it's not a light problem. It's an eye problem. It's an eye problem. It's an eye problem because of their choices. John chapter 3, verses 19, 20. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness. You need to hear that again. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness. We don't know what's wrong with our world. This is what's wrong. That's it. It ain't no more complicated than that. They love it rather than the light. Period. Not complicated. Sin tries to make things very complicated. It's not. You, either, you just don't want to be in the light. And it tells us why. For everyone who does evil hates the light. and doesn't come in the light so that his deeds will not be exposed. There you go. You just don't want people to know yourself because I can lie about how tall I am and how much hair I have and how old I am and how well built I am in the dark. People of the darkness. It makes sense. They live a lie. They don't want to come up to the trunk. They don't want to up, up front say that they're liars and they're ready to live in the land of the lies and because they, that's the way they keep it. They keep it in the dark. That's the way they like it. These people... These people who are calling Jesus and saying, listen, you haven't turned on enough lights for us. You got 10 million of them on. We need one more to believe that you're the Savior. Wasn't going to help them. So Jesus describes them this way. Other places, but Matthew 23 may be the best. Three different, four different verses. He says, woe to you blind guides. Next verse. You fools and blind men. Three verses later. Two verses later. You blind men. Five verses later. You blind guides who strain out a gnat. And swallow a camel. It's a crazy what'll happen in the dark, isn't it? It's crazy. Crazy the kind of stuff you'll swallow, that you'll put up with, that you'll tolerate, that goes past you and you never even notice it because it's dark. That's what happens in the dark. All kinds of things happen in the pitch dark and you've got no way to know. They were in the dark. And they were guiding people to the same direction. Anybody here ever been to Vegas? Like to go to Vegas? I go to Vegas sometimes with my wife because she's a wedding planner and it's the center of the universe for wedding planners. But, but having been there a number of times, I can tell you it's a, a good name is Sin City because that's got a lot of that. And of course, they've got that on South Padre Island, but it's a much more open over there. One of the things you may not know about Vegas is that there is a, there is a second Vegas below ground. And I don't mean the underworld, the mafia, and all that. Of course, you know all that. That's above ground, more or less. I'm talking about below as in, in the tunnels underneath Vegas, in the drainage underneath Vegas, there's actually another Vegas. Did you know that? It's not, it's not lit. Vegas, you know, it's got lights, most lights you'll probably ever see anywhere. But underneath Vegas, in their tunnels, in their drainage pipes, which is some, some cases as big as this room, people live. Hundreds and hundreds of people live. No electricity, um, 
well, other than lamps or flashlights, total darkness. Hundreds and hundreds of people live in these tunnels day in and day out. They deal with black widows and spiders and mosquitoes. They deal with crime because it's dark. People get away with stuff, and cops don't go down there. It's another reason why they're down there. They congregate together in the dark because they like it. They like the danger and the community and the evading of the law, and such is the case, as it says in this article, with Sin City. It's the way it is. You just like the dark. You've got to repent of one. You can't keep the dark and go in the light. You can't keep the light and head off into the dark. You're repenting of one of them. So how do you render yourself totally blind? Well, Jesus teaches us here. The scriptures, scriptures teach us here. You do that, well, we've already seen the verse. Let's go back to it. Here's how, here's how you get blind. Just love the darkness. Do you? You love it. I want to I do what I want to do. Well, you can do that. I, I, I can allow you, not that I do, but God does. He'll allow you to do whatever you want. You can, you can pursue the darkness. You can go in the direction away from the light. You can do that. That's your prerogative. I'm sad to hear it, that you're going to do that, but you can do that. It's not an intellectual problem. Notice. People say, oh, I've got intellectual problems with the Scriptures. You ever had a conversation with a person like that? They almost don't have any idea what the Scriptures say. They have a moral problem with the Scriptures. Because why? Because their deeds are evil, and they don't want light shown on it. Because they like to run their life the way they want to run their life. They don't want to answer anybody. That will only work for this life. Then it will be over. There was a verdict coming, right? This is the verdict. What's the verdict? So I tell you I'm 10 feet tall. I tell you I'm, you know, did I tell you I'm, you know, fabulously good looking on, in addition to being, having all my hair and being a bodybuilder and all that stuff. But when the light comes on, that's a verdict. Now you know that I'm a liar. Now you know that most of those things, with the exception of bodybuilding, are not true. <laughs> now you know. Now, whatever I say from this point on won't mean anything. He's a liar, right? That's a verdict. That's what light does. So when the light comes on, it very much divides us. Prior to Jesus coming, everybody thought the Pharisees were great people. Oh, boy, did they find out differently because a verdict, right, entered the world. The verdict, the light came into the world. Again, people don't come into the light. It's not, they don't come to Christ. They don't come to the Bible or fail to come to the Bible or to Christ because they have intellectual problems or philosophical problems. They have moral problems. It is always a question of morals. I don't want to answer to anybody. I want to be a rebel. I want to keep my sin. You can do that. Hate the light. Why? Like I said, why couldn't they add up all of his miracles and see that he was the king? There you go. You got the answer. They loved the darkness. They loved it. They hated, listen, is this you? When Jesus called them sinners, does it bother you? It's your prerogative. He's just giving you light. It's your prerogative. They hated it when he called them sinners. They hated it when he said they were spiritually poor. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I can't believe he's telling me that. That's for other people. It's not for you then, right? Okay. You can do that. When he said they needed to repent, I'm going a good direction. I know what I'm doing. I can't believe Jesus interjecting that in my life. Okay. You can do that. They hated it when he said they needed to repent. When he said that they were children of Satan. She only got two options. Not but two parents, God and Satan. They're not a third option. So if you're not a child of God, by faith in God's son Jesus, option number two. 
It's light, though, isn't it? Wouldn't you rather know the truth than to live your whole life in the dark? But it's your prerogative. You can stay in the dark if you like. He, they hated it when he said that they were prisoners of sin and headed to hell. Does that bother you? Just giving you light. That's all. Will you come to light? Got to come to light. You got to come to Christ. Got to come to Him. You can't, can't keep saying, well, when the light comes to me, I, I don't need it today. You're just like you're putting it out. So you expect another round of light? How many times is God going to throw the light on for you? There's going to come a day when it won't come on anymore. That's what happened to the Jews. Jesus, from this point on, it says, began to speak to them in parables so that seeing they would not see and hearing they would not hear. It became a verdict. Yeah, that's what it says. It became a verdict to them. It's over. No more trial. No more offerings. No more messages, just a verdict. My uh, grandparents moved their small family, just my dad at that time, and my two grandparents out of the deep woods of southeast Texas, Village Mills, Texas. Anybody know where that is? Of course you don't, because it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> my wife's been there. I have a lot of dead relatives over there, but no living relatives over there. Uh, Village Mills, Texas. It was a it was a sawmill town. My great grandfather was a part of the part of the group that set it up back when they were logging timber uh, wholesale in East Texas. And uh, my grandfather and his new bride and their uh, newly born son, my father, moved out of Port Arthur, Texas, and uh, into uh, I'm sorry, out of Village Mills, Texas, into the big city, twenty thousand or fifteen thousand Port Arthur, Texas, because my fa- my grandfather got a job with a company called the Texas Company. Anybody know what that is? It eventually got renamed to Texaco. Anybody know what that is? That's changed names. And then Texaco is something, I don't know what it is today, uh, but it's been bought and sold and divided and all that stuff. But anyway, so he got this job in the 1930s. We were ramping up, headed into the Second World War, and they wanted men to work in refineries because you can't just have guys fighting. You also have to have people refining oil and gasoline and stuff like that. My grandfather, first decent-paying job he ever had, and he moved his little family out of the deep woods of East Texas and into uh, Port Arthur, Texas. And they said it was a very nice part of it, and a part of it was very hard to get used to. One of the things that was really easy to get used to and very nice was they had indoor plumbing for the first time. The first time they had a toilet inside, you, to go to the bathroom, you had to put your shoes on, you know, to go outside. And uh, for the most part, they didn't have electricity also in the woods in East Texas there where they lived. And uh, they were so excited about the plumbing, though, that they didn't know for several years that, the thing, that the, their toilet didn't have a seat on it. They didn't know. Somebody came and said, why don't you have a seat on your toilet? They said, what do you mean a seat on our toilet? Because they had been, you know, you go out to a wood outdoor privy and a toilet of any kind inside your house is way better than a you know, seat or no seat. They didn't know. Anyway, they, they had to buy a seat whenever they could afford it. So it was easy to get used to the indoor plumbing. What wasn't, getting, got, what wasn't easy to get used to was the negative factors of coming out of the woods into the city. And part of the negative factors was it's noisy. I mean, cars are honking, people are driving, people are walking up and down the streets. You live in the woods when there's not even a road to your house. That's where they came from. Nobody came by. You didn't have curtains on your windows because who's going to peer in? You didn't have electricity because you want all the light during the day to come in. And at night, when it got dark, it got dark. So you'd have to worry about things. And one of the things my dad said he had the hardest time with was living in this house was, was the, the fact that the streetlights would stay on all night long. Of course, that's what, you know, what are they for anyway? But when you live in the woods, you know, you go to bed with the chickens. And the lights did, though. 
And he would lay his head down on his pillow at night, and right through the window, they didn't have any curtains because they didn't have the sense to get any, I guess. And <laughs> the light was coming right through the window. Right through the window, and it was keeping him up every night. And so one night, he decided he was just going to put on his clothes and go out there and fix that light. And so he did. He got himself a rock. And he fixed the light. About two weeks later, the utility company came through, and they replaced the light. So he fixed the light. Two weeks later, fixed the light again. Two weeks later, he said about five times into it, they quit replacing the light. He just figured, what's the use? We're wasting money. Somebody keeps putting it. They know who it was. Uh, somebody keeps putting it out. So they left it off. No more light. Peaceful sleep. That's the way we live. So, so God doesn't, he's given light to everybody. We're born with light. God's infused the world. Jesus has come to the world. He's a light, light not to the Jews, but to all men. The Bible is the most prolific book in all the world. It's available uh, for the past centuries. It's been available to, to the entire world. But people aren't coming to it. Why? Because there's no light? No. Because they love the darkness. God continues to send the light to us, but he will not always send the light to us. You can put it out one too many times. He'll quit replacing it. And that's what, again, it's your prerogative. You love the darkness. You may just get to keep it. I want to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we think about what God may be saying to us this morning. Have, I'm assuming you're here in church, I mean, you're at least not to the point of not acknowledging God anymore in your life. But once you've gotten that light, have you come further into the light? Jesus is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness. Jesus is the life. He's the light. No one comes to God except through him. Have you come to Christ? Have you accepted what he did for you? He died on a cross to pay for your sins. Rose again to prove that he could save you completely from the things that you've done. He can pull you out of great darkness like this thug, this Matthew, like this woman of the street who had all kinds of horrible things in her background. But when he turns on the light, you have to respond to him. Would you like to come to him today? You can come to him through just a simple prayer of faith, saying something to the effect of, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I trust you. I'm putting my faith in you. I don't know what the future holds, and I know the world I live in is dark, and the future is even darker. You're the light, Jesus. I put my faith in you. I trust you. I want you to rescue me from my sins, from my darkness. Forgive me. I turn away from these dark things, and I turn to you. Lord, we thank you that you hear us every time we pray, but we know especially you're you sent a sit attentive for that prayer. Because that's what you came to do, is rescue us. You came to this dark world, this world of the blind, preaching to us a, a message of light and of color and of life. But we have to quit thinking that we know and start believing that you do. Thank you, Lord, for doing that for us. Thank you for your consistency even though we've knocked the light out many times, you keep coming back and replacing it. God, help us to respond while we have the chance. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.